Dr. Chris. The girl that she's found happens to be Jennifer Tilly. Yes, I know. Now, I'm looking forward to it. Now, there is no chemistry between him and and, uh, yeah, and uh, Jennifer Tilly. There is no chemistry, but yet the script says that she falls in love with him. So they just follow the script. Now, this is 1988. I'm trying to think of another film with Jennifer, that Jennifer Tilly was in that, that way back when. Right. Um, okay. She was in, at this time, Ch Child's Play, which was made her an icon in horror in the horror film community. There was a franchise called Child's Play. Uh, was it Chucky? I don't think so. Well, she, uh, she showed up later in the series. Was she in the first one? She was in Chucky as a doll, as a voiceover. But I'm thinking, right, right, right. But that's, but that's like Seed of Chucky and Bride of Chucky. Right. And, yeah. Okay. She is at this time. Oh, no. That was 1998. I don't know what she was in at this time. That's what I'm saying. Like, she must have been like a, one of those prestigious child actors. Well, she didn't really get famous and known until Woody Allen's 1994 film, Bullets Over Broadway. Huh. That's when – so she's not an unknown here, but she's not a big deal. Let's see. Well, Tilly was married to Sa Sam Simon, developer and producer of The Simpsons from 84 huh. to 91. So that was around this time frame. Um, Look, he's writing the script and shooting it. I guess he's thinking of it in his mind. I don't know. Let's see. There's two people in a bedroom. What are, what's she there's, into? That's the house of Christmas story. Really? What famous house? What's the famous house? Bob Clark and Robert Downey Sr. both shot movies in this house. <laughs> oh, well, later they will go to the Big Sky Ranch in Simi Valley, which was where they had Little House on the Prairie. So their locations are famous, if nothing else. That was a little house. Carl, where are you? What? Where, where are you time-wise? I'm at um, 2555. 57. Perfect. What about you? Same. All right. You're seeing Meg Tilly waiting at this deli or whatever to uh, meet Martin Mo. Oh. Now, look, they're both smitten with each other. Why? They don't have any chemistry. He looks like Albert Einstein younger in the in the patent office. Hi, I'm a patent clerk. You think so? You think he looks that distinguished? No. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Hello, I'm Guy Soaking Wet from Rain. It's dry outside. I know. Bad to say. Well, look, everyone in Hollywood has literally has a script in their suit pocket. Yeah, right. Now, he's like, um, she's like, I hear you're a film director. I'm very excited about that. She's like, are you an actress? He goes, no, I'm a musician, but I'm a singer. Oh, so that's where the title comes from, Rented Lips. No, that's the name of the porno. But what interesting happened here is she goes, I'm a singer. A lot of singers became actresses. Is your movie a musical? And then Martin Mull, and one of the only good things about this film goes, 
I think it just became one. Wow. And that's it. We're launched. Here's our inciting incident. He will totally embrace making both of these films, and they will both be musicals. A musical porno and a musical Indian farming documentary. (laughs) Love it. Well, I don't know if his brother could sing at the musical because he is, you know, a little hoarse. <laughs> he will sing. Oh, he will. Oh, good. Wow, that was back in the day where you couldn't do that on the computer. That's right. You had to do it, and you also got to write. Um, you see how he underlined Mona Lisa and put a heart. Yeah. That's not easy to do. You have to scroll up and then write and then scroll back down. So Tilly starts talking to the assistant vice uh, assistant director. And then when Martin Mull goes, don't talk to him. Don't talk to him. He's nobody. He's nobody. I'm somebody. And she goes, oh, okay. Who's the guy in the staircase? That's the guy I want to hang out with. That was the assistant director. But he's nobody, Mike. Don't talk to him. He's nobody. Okay. Okay. We're now learning that in the mornings, we will do the porno, and in the afternoons, we will do the documentary, and Mona's now the star, and it's a musical. And, uh, you know, the person, Robert Downey Jr. is going to have a big problem with this. Because? It's comedic. Oh. Do you think it's weird that his dad is treating him as a porn actor? (laughs) No. His dad was a weirdo, man. No, that's true. One movie I would love to see is the movie Park or the one where everyone plays dogs. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Apparently, Robert Downey Sr., as a, when Robert Downey Jr. was a kid, used to pretend he was the family dog, and he would start doing, like, monologues about what the dog was thinking. And Robert Downey Jr. loved it. I mean – He's in interviews in public, so of course, what's he going to say? But he loved his father. He loved oh, yeah. growing up in a weird family. He grew up in Greenwich Village. But check this out, Mike. Robert Downey Sr. got his son high on pot at five years old. You think it was, You think that was a little too late? It should have been four years old. <laughs> I think that it just shows – I mean he was a drug addict himself, and he had problems – and he regrets doing that, he he admits in interviews. Uh, but so what he regrets doing it? Him and Robert Downey Jr., as a kid, used to absolutely do drugs together. And it was one of the ways that they bonded as father and son. Not kidding. Weird. Yeah. So this it's, is what everything looked like in the 80s, the, the lofts. The holes in the wall. Let's try. Let's listen. They're acting. They're they're rehearsing. So she's reading the stage directions with drama. Through the hole. No. He's not into it. No, well, he's a spy. 
You see, he's a spy for the Reverend. Oh. That is Tony Fox, who you know from Bad Santa. He's, um, look, yeah, I don't like this term, little person. It doesn't make sense. You know what I'm talking about, little person, right? Right, right, right. I, I don't want to say the M word, although the M word was never an insult. Did anybody Wait, ever go to their friend, shut up, you midget? I mean, it's not uh, an insult. But anyway. Yeah, it could be. Well, all right. Well, yeah, I know who you're talking about. He looks very young in this movie. He was in Me, Myself, and Irene. Oh, Earth yeah, he was young. Absolutely. Um, he was really he was funny in Me, Myself, and Irene. Because yeah, he was the, he was the real dad. But, uh, the That's right. Was good. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. He was a Mensa. Uh, yeah. Mensa. And the wife just fell in love with him. So he decided that he would be an actor after he saw this guy named Billy Barty. Sure, I know who Billy Barty is. Yes. So Billy Barty was the founder of the organization Little People Across America. And it inspired him. And, and everyone would encourage Tony Cox, you know, he, his friends and relatives. He moved to Los Angeles at age 18, and he began taking classes. And soon enough, he was in commercials and television roles. Now, this is interesting. At the age of 10 years old, he was a great, great drummer. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, he's known for his role also as George Lucas's Willow and as an Ewok in Return of the Jedi. Jedi. Uh, I guess I, I never saw Willow. Is that crazy? Yeah, I've never seen it either, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> and yeah, sometimes it's all right. <laughs> he was in the TV show Martin, um, and he was with Bushwick Bill. Now, wow. I was a Bushwick Bill fan. You know, he was in Ghetto Boys. Do you remember him? Yeah, sure, right. He got shot or something, something horrible. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, he, he his trying to live up to the lifestyle he, you know, sang about led to a problem. Yeah. Oh, can I ask you about this bus? Was that like a jar of urine on top of the bus fare? I don't know. So basically saying, look, I know what you're saying. You see a bus full of, uh, af you see a bus full of Nazis and, in na you know, uh, Indians. Of course, you're going to think there's a problem and pull us over. But these are normal people. This guy graduated college. Oh, so the guy in the hill. Weird. So now they're at Little House on the Prairie Ranch. And they're going – it's it's the afternoon, and now they're going to shoot the musical. Well, I'm not at the part where they got pulled over. You're not? I don't know why I'm going to Are they slowly. getting out of the bus and seeing Cal? No, they're, they're dressed in Indian garb, and they have their hands on the bus. Well, yeah, they got pulled over. Um, oh. I'm at 34, 41, 42, 43. Okay. What about you? Uh, uh, should I pause? No. <laughs> what are you oh, at? Good. I'm at 3451. Okay, so I'm five seconds ahead of you, and I don't know how that happens, but here we it's go. All right. It's fine. It's, I'm, I'm slowing down in time. It's very strange. Okay, now, an interesting thing about this film is Martin Mull will arrive places, and already it's all, like, set decorated. You know what I mean? Like, here they're putting together everything, but 
they just, I don't know. It's already set up. It has a rustic quality to it. Yeah. Now, these are American Indian stereotypes that the real Native American doesn't seem to mind. He knows that that's the way it is in Hollywood, and he plays along with that, you know? Right. It's a shame. It's a shame what uh, happened to those people, uh, and it's a shame, it's a shame, it's a shame. <laughs> I, I hate that we call them Indians because it's like we made a mistake, we named you wrong, we know we're in the wrong, but we're still going to call you that. We don't care. It's terrible. Well, I didn't name them wrong. Thank you, Mike. You're one you, of the good It was ones. Christopher Columbus. It was Christopher Columbus, That's right? That's a myth. And the, take, take it up with him. Okay. Now, there's some funny dialogue going on here because – Robert Downey Jr. Right, but it's too late. I should have played it from the start for you to get it all. So, But I'll, I'll give you some audio when he does – He's right, got no funny lines throughout, and he does a good job, Robert Downey Jr. So the actress, is he going to be in the Indian uh, yeah. uh, documentary as well, Native American? Yeah. Charlie Schlater, how dare you? And with a washboard. Okay, now um, Tyrell Cox is falling in – no, no, his name's Tyrell in the film. Tony Cox is falling in love with the sheep. Now we have a not-so-funny thing in which Robert Downey Jr.'s doing his lines, and a sheep is on the side going, eh, like as if he's a critic. Maybe it's funny. Let me let you judge. Did they add the sound effects? It's a real sheep. One thing I like about Robert Downey Sr. is that he can be silly in his films, you know, and have it break character or what have you. Yeah. So apparently Tyrell banged the sheep, kisses him goodbye, and tells him don't tell anybody. Okay, so I'm not clear. I think this is the porno part. Oh, yeah, I got to play this. Okay. <laughs> now, he shuts him down and watch how Junior handles it. It's really funny. Answer down. <laughs> if we weren't going for a PG rate and not tell you to go fuck yourself. Now look, he says the same line again. <laughs> Mo freaks out. 
anyway, it's good. He's funny. And this film is not good. Don't get me wrong. This film is not good. But yeah, yeah, I he's mean, a shining was... star in, in the middle of – he's a diamond in the very rough-ass rough. When you're a film director or even like a movie star and you write a screenplay where it's about the film industry, mm. there's there's a certain sense of not detachment, but you know it's like looking at their own butthole. So you <laughs> would hope something good comes out of the film. Like there's a point to it. Yeah. Oh, uh, there's no point to this film. It doesn't. Uh, uh, it's a. St- I don't know. It's a story onto its own. It doesn't have any moral. Uh, I don't know. Well, it's, you know, it's the love of filmmaking and the importance of pornography in the industry, and, you know. But you would think it would be something, if it was that, it's funny right now, but I won't play you, we can't just play you all the audio, but. Right. You would think it would, like, Martin Mull could have been, like, um, realizing I'm compromising my integrity, and then, you know, make some dramatic move to satisfy everybody and still make it art, you know, but that doesn't really happen. Yeah. Now we're getting uh, big dick, little dick jokes, and Edie's all over that. Meg likes it too, but I think she's she's being an actress. The prop department must have got like a raise after this movie. Yeah. Um, Wolf Diggler, you know, a junior, he had like one of those baby <laughs> corns from the Chinese food restaurant. And yeah. that was the joke. The real uh, Native Americans got the real corn. And uh, got it right here. There's some bunnies that fertilize the corn, and now we're going to see a bunny dance. I don't know. They think it's very funny, but it's. I don't know. It's it's historically accurate. Oh. <laughs> uh, this is rated R for nudity and language. It's 82 minutes. It was distributed by the Vista organization very poorly. Uh, Van Dyke Parks did the music. Who's that? Robert yeah. Yeoman did the cinematography. Never so heard of Van, Van Van Park Dyke's, uh, he's kind of known for uh, co-writing oh. Smile with uh, the Beach Boys with uh, Dennis Wilson, Brian Wilson. You know this, then. He's kind of a, he's a folky, he's kind of like a, I don't know, he's a sarcastic songwriter. Van Dyke Parks. Yeah. He, even though he did the music, uh, Martin Mull and, oh no, Van Dyke Parks and Martin Mull together wrote Halloween at the Bunker, Happy Halloween, and Indian Farming Techniques was also a song written by Van Dyke Parks and and, uh, Martin Mull, but also his wife, Wendy Mull, uh, co-wrote it. Well, you know, he he had albums. Do you remember those Martin Mull comedy albums? Yes, Martin Mull was a comedic uh, musician before he was uh, just an actor. Um, 
but do you think it was Fernwood tonight that kind of propelled him, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman? Yeah, he first became known for his role in Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Now, I never saw Fernwood do, but that became much bigger for him. Um, yeah, we know him role. like he was in Clue in 85 and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And, you know, we know him. Yeah, we know him. He was in Roseanne for a while. That's right. He was like the gay boss or something like that. Leon Karp on Roseanne. He would go on to be on Arrested Development and stuff, but Moe broke into show business as a songwriter writing Jane Morgan's 1970s country single, A Girl Named Johnny Cash. Now, you know Johnny Cash did a boy named huh. Sue. It was a joke on that. Right. It only reached number 61 on the Billboard charts, but now he had something to say. He had a resume. He did a lot of live gigs. There's a song called Johnny Cash. There, that's right, and it made number 61 on the Billboard country <laughs> charts in 1970. I never knew that. Yeah. Good to know. Oh, well, he did He did these notable gigs. Like, he would do... He, okay. Uh, he opened for Randy Newman at the Boston Symphony Hall in 73. Frank Zappa in 73. Billy Joel in Wilkes Fair, Pennsylvania, 74. Bruce Springsteen in Maryland at the Shady Grove Music Fair. How what a lucky guy! <laughs> he got to perform for like uh, Zappa and Springsteen. Well, not Springsteen. for them, but yeah, opening for them. Yeah, opening. I'm sure they were in their dressing rooms, not watching Martin Mull. Um. But for, you know, the first half of the 1970s, he was best known as a musical comedian, um, live in studio recordings. Yeah, well, he, you know, in the 80s, too, he had the uh, history of white people. Right. Which is probably around this time. Okay, so I guess we're doing a porno musical now. Let's see. Yeah, see the the porno is about Nazi Germany and sex during it. I don't know. There is always this Halloween, myth. right? What? Yes, Halloween? and that's right. There will be a Halloween part. Oh, that's funny. So together, it's even funnier. I guess I don't know. Like, I never thought. As you go back in time, like the 80s, you know, the World War II was, you know, less than 40 years ago. Was, right. You know, and so, like, you, as we go forward, and I mean, it's 1966, and you're seeing Star Trek, and they got the Nazis on it. I mean, it was more popular back then, just like Nam used to be a, I don't know, as more time goes past, I think we can realize that. I don't know. It's not so funny. I don't know. Well, no, I, my attitude is that it's now the disposable income comes from, like, white supremacy. Like, you know, white supremacy need entertainment. So there's a one point where you're shocking, and one point is that you're signifying the war, and there's one point where you're signifying wars that are occurring. And there's one point where you're just completely pandering to a crowd that, you know, 
uh, takes it at face value and appreciates it as such. You know what I mean? You so mean like, it's like, okay, lots of people do Nazis, so we'll do Nazis. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, like, you know, like people are Nazis and people need to be entertained. And so your show has all this kind of exploitative stuff, but it kind of panders to that crowd and the crowd. No, no. You're saying that you think people do Nazi stuff to really appeal to real regular people. Like, yeah, yeah. Nazis, I'm into it. No way. Yeah. Yeah, no way. Show their money in that. Yeah, nope. I totally believe. Who who identifies as a Nazi except for kooks in this country? Jimmy Fallon? No, I don't know. I can't think of anyone. Well, but, Jimmy know, Fallon like, is not a good example. But no, there's like the TV shows where there'll be like an exploitive thing, like where there's like Nazis or white supremacy or this and that, and then I just feel like they're just kind of targeting that crowd anyway it's not really like you're saying they're not making fun of white supremacists they're secretly reaching out to a white supremacist audience yeah well there are not white supremacists mike do you think that there are white supremacists in san francisco maybe sure yeah you do yeah they're my boss is a white supremacist wants to see a world of only white people yeah, Jack Dorsey from Twitter. <laughs> All right, I uh, guess your uh, mind is made up. I do not yeah. see this subculture that you see. Well, I just feel like you know the, these jokes about Hitler, like it, it, it just falls flat now because there are people who take this for real, and like you know, the, the, you can't no longer like have Robert Downey Jr. dress up as Hitler and call it a joke. It's just you know, like you kind of saying like a little more detail like there might be people into it you know who don't find it as a joke and they, they're they're glad he dressed up as him that's all okay audience audience i depart i want to say that the opinions of mike spiegelman are his own i do not right. think there's a secret group of people out there going yeah nazis i like it no way man nobody they have money be the fourth right need to be entertained listen you know you need netflix nazi flicks <laughs> <laughs> Nazi flicks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is a great ring to it. Okay. So, fine. So, I'm going to start writing white supremacist material. Uh huh. Yeah. You'll find an audience for it. Isn't that every open mic you go to anyway now? No, it is not, Michael. There are oh. not white supremacists at every open mic you go to. Okay. Anyway, by the way, we don't go to any more. I got to tell you, I've shut down my mic. Um, but you did. Yes, because. We did a comedy fight club. By the way, on the movie you're seeing that the Reverend is just more stuff like he's a pervert, you know, and he's claiming. Gotcha. Okay, so there was a comedy fight club, and it was, you know, a roast battle. And then two days later, I got a text from this very funny comedian named Mark Henley saying, look, I got COVID. I'm letting everybody know who's around me. And so is Matt, my, you know, who, who was like the host of it. Next thing you know, two other people who were at that thing, Dave Mamory and Rafael Hernandez, uh, no, Jesse Montanez, very funny comedians. They've got it now. Now my co-host Yusuf has it. Um, oh, my God. And another guy who I'm not going to say his name because he never said, to, you know, he's not public on Facebook about it or anything. The, the so that, other names are. So that's four to five to six people in our local comedy community who have it. Now, the first thing I want to say is they didn't come to my open mic and pick it up. We started in July, and there was no COVID in our lives till December. 
So I was not acting irresponsibly spreading COVID. As a matter of fact, as soon as I got a whiff of this COVID, I'm shutting it down. We're not doing our mic anymore until we're healthy again. Maybe we'll see you in February. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. Oh, I appreciate that, Carl. Yeah, you've always done it safely. You always took it seriously. And uh, I I think now that you see there's an issue going, that people are getting it for real. But yeah, Uh, for real. Yeah. So if it was July, August, September, and it was for real, I would have shut down then, but it wasn't. Uh, I was getting a lot of shame from guys like you and others. Like me. Well, because yeah. I, I also, I, I think, you know, you, you also aim your audiences for white supremacists, too. Uh, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so transparent. Okay, what's going on now is the reverend himself is going to show up and shut this thing down. He's even going to burn the barn down. And we're wow, going to learn literally. that Mona is actually, oh, here's the rented lips line. Rented lips. Oh, there you go. So Mona was used to date the Reverend? Now watch what Martin does. No, it's the daughter. Oh. Landmines. Now, they did that when Robert Downey Jr. was out there. They think that's funny. Um, Now, a limo will show up. And, of course, it's a um, Lincoln Town car because it's 1988, right? And that yeah, was awesome. the limo of the day. I keep promising this limo. It never shows up. Now, is this because the director was had a day job at the time he was making the movie? Oh, it's Robert Downey Sr. never had a day job. His day job was drinking. Yeah. Now, listen, his question of movies that he's done, you know, are just so crazy. Like, yeah. And then, like, normal people wouldn't be able to get away with it. Pound was the one you're talking about. And uh, Robert Downey Jr. was in that at five years old, 1970. Pound, that's right. And at seven, he was in Greaser's Palace, which fans of our show will know. I mean, if we had right. any fans. Um, Maybe they the tested age, it. We had any fans of, that that movie. Yeah, after showing that movie, we lost. We had one fan. <laughs> right. She gave you money for PlayStation 4. She watched that film and never showed up again. Never showed up again. Um, He was in England at 10 years old studying classic ballet. So drug use didn't slow him down. And um, his parents divorced in 78. He was a teenager. Downey moved to California with his father, but in 82, dropped out of Santa Monica High School, moved back to New York to fulfill a full-time acting career. And check this interesting tidbit. Downey and Kiefer Sutherland yeah. were roommates for three years when they moved to Hollywood. That must have been uh, like party central. I guess. I mean, here you've got the son of a director and the son of a famous actor. Uh, now, I'm sure Kiefer Sutherland had a much more famous father than Robert Downey Jr., but it's funny how Robert Downey Jr. eclipsed him in terms of fame. I mean, there's nothing, you know, Iron Man, you know, yeah. snow. You know, like, Keither had that 24 TV series. That's pretty lucrative. Yeah, absolutely. He had 24, and then, that's it, he right? That's his, 
He was in that Quibi show. Remember Quibi? He was in The Fugitive. Okay. He probably changed, he probably changed to be The Fugitive, but he was probably old enough to be like the Tommy Lee Jones guy. Mm-hmm. You remember Quibi? That was the, it closed last year in 2020. It was the uh, Quick Bites uh, original streaming. I, I, I don't. It was, it was a service that it was the, the, the original content was like eight, seven minutes long, and you were supposed to watch it on your phone. Oh. Okay. Okay. And they had uh, uh, Kiefer do a remake of uh, the the Fugitive. But it went away now. Yeah, they closed it. They lost millions and billions of dollars, and uh, they shuttered it within within a year. Sucks for them. Now this huh. Kenneth Mars, he can be funny. Let me give you. All right. Now, this is around. another thing, like, in the 80s, um, evangelical Christianity was kind of new in terms of it being mainstream. And so you saw people making fun of that all the time. Yeah, right. Well, because it was like one of their television options. You know, right. they own networks. They own satellites. Right. Um, it was uh, like uh, lots of Dan Aykroyd bits were the hey, yeah, preacher, you know. Yeah. And, um, eventually, it's like you said, it just got to be its own joke. Like, oh, I'm going to be a comedian. Well, then I need to do a, a preacher bit. I need to do, you know, it became a standard. Now, right, now we right. find out it's the daughter. Mr. Lisa. His name's Mona. Her name is Mona Lisa. So he goes, Mr. Lisa. Oh, can you tell me where you are? I, I accidentally went to so undercover by mistake because my my. I am at fifty six. I'm at fifty seven oh one, fifty seven oh two, three, four. Perfect. That is not perfect. You're just saying that. Audience, no. I hope we haven't ruined you. Yeah, if this is the first time listening, then God bless. <laughs> if episode. this is your last time listening, God bless you. Okay, uh, we're caught up, I think. I don't think so. Okay, you tell me what your seconds is. No, you don't want to know. Okay. I'm, I can at, uh, I'm at, yeah. at 57.27. Okay, so I'm going to pause at 40. I'm paused. You tell oh, me right. when you're 57.40. Okay, all right. Sounds good. I can't wait. And then, then there's no problem for the rest of this movie. It's smooth right. sailing. We synced up. Uh, now, now, now. Now, thanks, Mike. That was a great count up. Oh, we're really synced up. Now, I'm the one who's behind. All right. No, you'll catch up. There's something weird. I don't know what's going on. So, Tyrell is like, please let me be the one who lights the fire. You know, please let me be the one who burns it down. Hey, hey, the picky wicky picky issues. It's all right. He really scrambled into that car. Wow. Now. So they are burning a barn. <coughs> so they so like, turn really back on barn the, burner. Yeah. Now everybody leaves the barn. <coughs> but remember, Robert Downey Jr. got butt hurt. And so he's going to go back into the barn and do some acting because he wants to be a real actor. But they're not, rec- they're not shooting in there anymore, right? Right. It kind of doesn't make sense. 
Wolf Diggler. Wolf Diggler. He would be stupid enough. Oh, there he is. Wow. Yeah. That is acting. I, I don't know exactly why he's doing what he's doing, but it is funny. You know, it's historically accurate. This is exactly the speech that they gave when the bunker burned down. <laughs> I remember watching that Quentin Tarantino film, and he was stuck in the theater. And I was like, yeah. mm, what are they going to do? You know, because, I mean, you know, he, Hitler has to escape and get out for him to go on and, you know, continue yeah. his history. Well, and no, Quentin Tarantino said, screw that. You're not, you're burning you. It didn't you know, make sense. It was such a public relations nightmare for the movie theater. Because on the one hand, <coughs> you have hundreds of people, they got trapped in their theater and they burned to the other hand. But on the other hand, they killed Hitler. That's right. That's their claim yeah. to fame. Yeah. So are they what have you done for our world? <laughs> Here at AMC Theaters, we, we have revised our... We have made sure that our uh, emergency exits are clearly stated in the back of the room and that it is compliant. On the other hand, we killed Hitler. Yay! Yeah. Okay, now what happens now is to hear his lowest point, of course, and he's quitting. He's going to. Oh, it, no. It's amazing how every movie's the same, but yet we don't notice. So now he's at his lowest point and he's going to quit. And everyone is like, you're a jerk, you're an asshole, and they all quit on him. Too, and he's fine with that. Oh, well, what about the movie? Uh, no, I mean, he's this reverend is burning down, he's just he's had enough. Yeah, he's between a rock and a Michael horse. <laughs> 15 years, Arch. 15-year age difference? <laughs> William Shakespeare once said. Yeah, right. So, a strange thing... Okay, so he goes to his mom looking for a little sympathy, and which she goes, oh, you want me to be your mother? Go to your room! <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Hi, Dad. You want me to be your mom? There you go. Now, something really strange happens now. As you know, the Native American is like somehow the brother. But look at this. Once Martin Mull is out of the way, they start getting busy. It doesn't make sense. What do you mean busy? <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah the... does that make sense? No, I didn't realize. Wait, the mom and the... the... No. Yeah, and the brother. Where did that come from? I don't know, and we'll never see it again. I guess they were just making a ha-ha joke. So now, uh, Martin Mull is looking back at his documentaries. He won a prize for Mr. Sperm Whale. And he's yeah. just going to climb into bed and just make it all go away. You know, his failure. But then, yeah. 
Mona Lisa will show up and go, I love you, and I try to come here and make you the man I could be proud of. And he's like, wait a minute, you love me? I, hang on, I have a pillow over my head to, to drown out the sounds of my mom and brother fucking. <laughs> really? That's so weird. Yeah. It's never been brought up again. I know. <laughs> so I want to see Pound. And I want to see uh, Mad Magazine presents up the Academy again. Okay, but I thought that was so bad. It was. Well, National uh, Mad Magazine took their name off the movie. Yeah. And Rob Liebman, who's the star, took his name off the main credits. He's not listed in the in the theater. In the I movie. bet you Mad Magazine was like, "This is our chance to be like National Lampoon and get into movies." And then they got right. that dog of a film. They said, "Forget it." Well, but think about it. I mean, it was Mad Magazine was wasn't it owned by Time Warner back in the day in the eighties? I don't know. I don't know. I know that in the they came from humble beginnings in the fifties, and they were their yeah. own thing. Yeah, they got bought out. Comic book back then. I know, like they're now owned by uh, uh, DC Comics, I guess, and that they just do reissues, like uh, once a year they have an original magazine. But for the most, so they're part, milking the cow. Yeah. Oh, here's something little known. We know June Lockhart was Lassie in Lost in Space, but she was also Janet Craig on the CBS television sitcom Petticoat Junction. Petticoat Junction. Yeah. What was the deal with Petticoat Junction? It was like a town that had a silo, and it was just the people who, who yeah, ran it. Yeah, it was like cowboy days, and you had Calamity Jane, and she would wear the fringe leather jacket. It was like what you would watch when you were pretending you were sick and staying home from school. Right, yeah, 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 totally. Lucky you, right? Mm -hmm. This is the best scam ever. I get to watch Petticoat Junction at 11 o'clock. <laughs> I, I would be at school right now like a sweatshirt. You're right. All day long. So Martin Mull's about to get lucky, and it's for the first time ever. He's not going to be a virgin anymore. And he's going to tell that to his he, – when he's leaving the house, Christmas Story house, Yeah. the mom – oh, look, she's got her hand on his crotch for real. Yeah. Um, she's leaving the – he's leaving the house. He goes past the teepee, and I guess June Lockhart spent the night with her – son in the teepee and he goes i'm not that thing anymore mom so actually it did come up again here it is all right now how did martin mull know she was in there well because uh she he must watch the dailies he saw that scene <laughs> He must have seen the dailies. Yeah. Oh. So now he's going to admit that he literally loves Charlie. Please take me back. Oh, that's great. But I want to go to Bob's Burgers and get like a hot dog. And I want to be in a fatter little. <laughs> All these places are closed. It's driving me crazy. Now they're doing a joke like. I love you in a manly way. Let's go get yeah. a beer and watch the Let's game. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Now, Robert Downey Sr. and Jr., their original family name was Ellis. 
Gordon that was Downey? Huh. Right. And his father changed his name to enlist in the army. I don't follow that. Um, also, he has an older sister and a brother, but they Who? never pursued. Junior had a brother and sister who who never pursued it. Right, pursued acting. There's, there is. I don't think it's a book, but I think it's a movie. But I think it's a book. There's got to be a book in Robert Downey Jr.'s childhood. You know how, like after the '80s, when it came to the '90s, he just became a a drug addict with heroin and cocaine and alcohol. He right. just, you know, and he he would go remember there's that famous story in which he went home and he goes into the neighbor's house and falls asleep yeah yeah i remember the robert downey jr so he was uh i think it was early 90s because he probably just won the best oscar for uh actor oscar for chaplin oh and yeah chaplin. i controlled them and i know this the keeper sutherland had like a uh i don't know alcohol issue or it was some history with him as well so maybe them being roommates wasn't a good idea. Yeah, I guess. Or, I mean, if you're young, right, you're in your 20s and you're doing drugs, I mean, if you're having a good time, it's okay. But if you let it become, you know, if you let it wreck you. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Did Kiefer Sutherland, you saying he went on to have a problem as well? Well, yeah, I guess. Like, um, I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> I'd have to check my old People magazine. <laughs> Not that you can trust People magazine, right? They were always oh, yeah. pop, pop, spin. They were always in Keith or Sutherland's publicist's pocket. <laughs> Look, you see the thing blows up that's supposed to be like girls walk in like Marilyn Monroe and their, their uh, skirts oh, come up. Okay, so while he was getting outed as a pornography filmmaker, um, Charlie was filming, okay, so that they've okay. got him dead to rights admitting it, and they're going to expose him and ruin him. So, you know what I mean? They're they're coercing him to help them finish the film. Oh, so wait a minute. That's not a reverend at all. That's Martin Mull. Right. That's Martin Mull and Charlie Slater. I see. I thought it was. Be priests. Right. I thought it was Morpheus and Neo coming to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so they look straight out of the Matrix. Matrix Four. Are you the key maker? Are you the key maker? Are you the key maker? Are you the key? Yes, yes, I'm the key maker. Shut up already. This Kenneth Mars was something called Shadows and Fog in 1980, 90, that, and the that, the internet thinks it's a big deal. Shadows and Fog was a Woody Allen movie, right? Oh, I don't know. I I, I don't know. Yeah. Had a lot of shadows and fog in it. Do you remember in Young Frankenstein when the guy was missing his arm? He was playing darts and he pretended to have a perfect, you know, grouping of the. That was no, him. Oh, I remember the eagle in uh, Muppet Show. What does that have to do the, with the bald eagle? Look, they look alike. Oh, really? Yeah, don't you see? No. I'm the eagle. Oh, yes, from the yes, yes, I guess. Do you remember when he goes, a riot is a disgusting and ugly thing, and I think it's about time we had one. That's him. Oh. Do, do, do. I'm singing the Mars from uh, Hoist the Planets. Do, 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 do. 
Mars was the god of war one. Mars was the yeah, he was angry. Mean one. Yeah, he's like do 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 you. Wait, no. Now, now you. Uh, uh, now you messed me up. I can't think of the theme. Oh yeah. I but I hear that that turned into the Darth Vader song. You know that turned into the Empire part of uh, yeah. Star Wars. He ripped everything off of Star Wars. People don't realize like. He ripped it off of Joseph Campbell. He ripped off of Hoist. He ripped off of uh, Buck Rock. He ripped everybody off. Well, maybe like he knows that he's a film score person, and so he's trying to give you something like God of War <laughs> to me. Yeah, and I and I need it today. All right, stud did it. It needs to sound like this. And can you do it right now? Yeah, here it is. Here, We're gonna skip this quarter note and put it in sixteenth. <laughs> Okay, so now we're having like sort of like the big finale musical for the the, the G-rated one. Indie right, the G-rated one. Oh, and Robert Downey Jr. selling it. Yeah, and he's doing a good job. He's behaving. Do you remember him from New Heart? Uh, yeah, I think so. He was one of the patients. He was always like the wacky patient. Yeah, I I remember this guy. Uh, I remember one time on New Heart, he went to do some some. Uh, he was preparing for some test that was going to give him a certification for his work. And he was so nervous, you know, he was a psychological patient, that he had to have Bert, uh, Newhart come along. And the guy started asking questions, and he goes, no, he starts, he says, no, can you, he wants to give his answers in the form of a question like Jeopardy. It was a really funny scene. Okay, never mind. All right. That well, sounds good. Now we're having our big finale. He goes, listen. I have worked with many, many people as my career as a director, and you people are certainly some of those people. So let's shoot! <laughs> Action! Barnwell is typing away. I love this. It's going to sound great on the screen. Now, we're seeing a very bad print, right? I mean, it just yeah. doesn't look good. It might be that this film would be much better if you could see clearly and you weren't thinking of it as low budget. You mean like when the pandemic ends, you're going to go up to the revival house and go, you should really put on rented lips. <laughs> Screw it. Make it a senior uh, film festival. Now that we can convene, let us all watch the films of Robert Downey Sr. Now look at that production value, right? I mean, That's they good, spent, yeah. they took their time, and then we see it on this crappy film and we don't appreciate it. It looks about right, though. They're the solid gold dancers. Now, Martin Mull and his wife helped write this song, and you know Martin was a musician, so I'm sure it just wasn't the lyrics. Yeah, right. I'll say this is hysterical. I mean, like, if you walked into the set during the shooting, you'd be like, this looks great. Keep it up. <laughs> I can't you know, wait this, to um, see the results. 
This Dick Sean, right? This is something interesting. He used to guest host on Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. But on January 1st, 1971, he did the last cigarette commercial on American television, Virginia Slims. And it aired on TV one minute before the cigarette ads were banned, you know, before it went into effect. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. 1971. Dick Sean, what a way to go. Yeah, well, beforehand, it was like the Flintstones were smoking and yes, uh, Winston. And it wasn't really understood that it was bad. See, people don't, people forget two things. It's that Flintstones was a primetime sitcom aimed for adults. Yes. So it wasn't like they were aiming, selling spricker cereal and edible and, and edibles. It wasn't and the kids' time. show. That's right. And it was in black and white because a lot of times the commercials, you know, a lot of people watch the shows in black and white, and it was just cheaper for the commercials to mm-hmm. keep doing the status quo, you know. So the reason why you had, like, you know, the Flintstones was in color, but the, the commercials were in black and white. Now, <coughs> for us personally, for Martin Mull, he was in O.C. and Stiggs. Yeah, that's right. Now, that was one of the first films I ever did with you that I, like, loved and paid attention to <clears throat> it was national lampoon too yeah and i actually i have a photocopy i'm gonna i should mail it to you carl but of uh the episode someone uh printed it out on the internet for me uh-huh. of, of the stories of the original oc and sig stories and there was a alan moore comic you know alan moore the watchman cartoonist he did uh something for 2000 ad in the 80s it was like Q, it was aliens. It was like QC and Quint or something like that. Oh, uh huh. And it was a ripoff of OC and Sigs. And I have it. It's funny. Stuff. <laughs> ripoff actually, or tribute? It was more of a tribute. You know, it was more of, I think they just, he ran with it, made them aliens. And those characters still exist. I just read like a recent <laughs> 2000 AD comic and they still use those characters. So Are they grown up or are they like. No, they're just like alien teenagers, you know, Mm -hmm. and they get into alien teenager antics. Now, thinking about you, I want to say that Martin Mull was in The Simpsons in one episode. He was um, in this episode called Dole in the Wind. Yes, I remember. It was Grandpa, Uh, and uh, he met the hippies that slept with his mom. (laughs) And also, for both of us, he was in Get a Life, the Chris yeah. Uh, uh, sitcom. Yeah. Well, he was funny in Arrested Development, too. He played a Gene Parmesan, yeah. who's the world's worst detective. <laughs> okay, so here is one thing that was embarrassing, I feel, but maybe I'm wrong. It was 1994 TV movie called How the West Was Fun with Mary-Kate and Ashley. <laughs> so I would be embarrassed about that, but uh, I don't know. It is showing children how what how the West can be fun. Yeah, that's true. yeah. So it's that it's, it's got that it's, going for it. It's usually for the West is very intimidating to kids that age. So you know he was just helping them out. Mm-hmm. His mom's now, in this movie. For, yeah, for some reason, all the cast members in real life start showing up in this. Including Jack Riley, um, including Gene Lockhart, and 
I guess it's just wrapping. There's um, Junior in the center. And look, Martin Mull is now on his own film for some reason. Great. In a Such big, a huge audience, a big... See, you did it, Martin! 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 Yeah, look at that. It's so weird. Look, and the audience loves it. I love the director walked into the scene. Oh, uh, no. It was all a dream. Nah, just kidding. This is the best way to wrap up any movie. Is to have them have the movie itself win awards and everyone's like, Yeah, you made a great movie. It's eating itself. Yeah. So what'd you think? What'd you think? Well, I'm two seconds. I can't understand like why uh, the concept of our show has been going on fine for four years, and then this one movie, I, I it's slow on my thing. I think it's a piece of shit. I mean, I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was. Yeah. Let's put it this way: it's a good Robert Downey Sr. movie. It has a beginning, middle, and end. Uh, it's a little. <laughs> Martin wrote it. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it wasn't like Greaser's Paradise. Greaser's Greaser's Palace. Palace mm -hmm. He was trying to. I don't know what he was trying to do, but he did it, and uh, just didn't have. Oh, Spuds McKenzie! Look at that. Charlie's sister's daughter, Spuds McKenzie. Really? Yeah. I think I would have picked that up in my research. Well, I mean, this film's kind of hard to watch, so I can't now, blame you. Tyrell and the Reverend Kenneth Mars—they're cleaning up. <laughs> yeah. And he gives him a little room. They're cleaning up. I got, I got you. See, I had to wait a couple of seconds. I don't know it's why they're recording. Their failure, you know, as yeah, they, they were the bad guys, and now they're getting theirs. See, like that's what a good movie does. They give you a storyline. So right. I, I think this is a decent one. Like I think the title is re repulsive, <laughs> uh, and but you know it matches all the wacky Hitler uh, pornography Halloween jokes. You know that's pretty cool. <laughs> It isn't bad. Uh, yeah, it's a decent one. It's uh, one of these days I'm going to find town on YouTube and we'll watch that. But yeah, then, I, I really it, cannot wait. <laughs> this is a watchable Robert Downey Sr. movie. It was. Right? It was, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that has been Rented Lips. Carl, you, you liked it? You didn't no. like it? I yeah. liked Robert Downey Jr.'s acting. All right. That's it. All right. That's well, it. that's all we need, really. In the, uh, you know, at least he uh, he did his dad good. So that has been Rented Lips. I hope you guys enjoyed watching the movie uh, in sync with us, uh, even though I wasn't. And uh, we'll be doing this again <laughs> next week, Carl. And I'm very excited to bring up this movie. But before we do, I just want to do a little house cleaning. Uh, this is our third episode of 2021. Uh, last year we did a episode and I mentioned Mahjong. We talked about Kung Fu Mahjong. Right. Too, and I mentioned there was a Mahjong movie on uh, Netflix. I got the title of the film wrong. Uh, oh. I got a movie. It's called Mahjong Heroes. I called it Kung Fu Heroes. Okay. Mahjong Heroes from the early 80s. It should still be on Netflix. It's a very funny Mahjong movie. 
we did have an episode last year of uh, Moana Devil, which was a little bit distorted during this year in 2021. We'll, we'll, we'll rebroadcast it. We'll make it available. We're aware of it. Uh, just want to give a shout out. And we hope you enjoyed America 2000 last week, one of our favorite episodes that was originally distorted, and we were glad to get it out uh, there. So, uh, and then, of course, uh, our last episode of 2020, uh, we want to thank Sam Benjamin for fixing uh, yeah. an online uh, On the fly. error. But it just so happens that we have the full episode without an interruption available on our YouTube channel. So not only can you hear the original uh, Crazy Live version, which we appreciate, and that's always on the uh, podcast archive page at mediaradio.fm, but that particular episode is also on our YouTube channel, and it's a great introduction to the movies we do, and uh, we talk about all 50 films from 2020. Uh, and we look forward to doing movies here in 2021. So uh, we started off with Playing for Keeps. We watched the Encore America 2000. We just saw Rented Lips. So next week, uh, we are going, staying in the 80s, we're going to be doing 1986's The Morning After with Jane Fonda. The Morning uh, After. Okay. It's a great movie, and it's on YouTube, and uh, here, I'll reenact the trailer. Okay, ready? In the morning. After. Oh, that was great sex, honey. We should, what? You've been murdered? <laughs> God, I drank so much. I don't know what's going on. You got to help me, co-star, male co-star who I didn't kill. That's me. I'm Jeff Bridges. The morning after. Not aerobic. Yak. Honda, James. I can't good. wait I can't to wait see, to see that. that. That looks really good. Sometimes just from the you see a movie the trailer, trailer, you just know this yeah. film is from me. Wow. She had well, killed that guy, but she didn't remember because she had been yeah. drinking, and then there was the Bridges guy. This is going to yeah. be good. It's like the flight attendant, but 30 years ago. <laughs> the morning after. The In morning a world after. where it's morning after. After. Well, all right. Well, everyone, I hope you uh, hope that lets you look. But we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Friend, I wrote this song. Uh, my turn ons are satin sheets and weighs champagne tickles my nose. And, uh, I love to pee outdoors. Listen, you should follow me on Twitter. It's jokes to Carl, the French duh, not the oh, 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 duh.
as soldiers of God, you must understand. The fate of your country is in your young hands. May God give you strength, do your job real well. If it all was worth it, only time it will tell. In the morning, they return with tears in their eyes. The stench of death drifts up to the skies. A young soldier so ill looks at the sky and remembers the words, thou shalt not the crowd Nothing can be done to stop the shouting If every tongue was still, the noise would still continue The rocks and stones themselves would start to sing Thank you. 
Hey, hey, <clears throat> hey, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, we're hitting uh, Jesus Christ Superstar pretty hard here. Um, I don't know, it's, it, for me, it, it's, uh, uh, I, it's a good piece of music. Um, yeah, I was raised Catholic, so, you know, there's that significance too. Not saying I buy into all of it, but, um, it's, uh, I'm wallowing in my nostalgia right now, but um, I still, it's still kind of a thing that uh, means like spring to me um, as well. Uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, yeah, we played, uh, yeah, a bunch off that, can't remember, Hosanna, uh, Overture, um, uh, uh, Everything's All, Everything's Gonna Be All Right, and um, some other one, but Actually, if you can check that out, it's it's not bad. I, I kind of went a little, a little bored. Anyway, this is Bug House Square. This is Mutiny Radio. It's not just a radio station. It's a it's a it's a way of life for some, a comedic way of life, a uh, radio way of life, a uh, spoken word radio life. But I'm just doing. I'm just playing records here. This show. That's what this is. Um. But it's on a corner of 21st in Florida in the beautiful Mission where it's always flat and sometimes sunny. And uh, it's a beautiful day today. We're it's like the first like kind of real nice day, and sunny-wise. And uh, we've had a little bit of – I'm going to give you fucking weather reports. Um, what else did I play? Let me, grab, uh, let me grab these records. Hold on. Okay, that was uh, Sky Pilot we played in there as well. Um, that's uh, Eric Burden and the Animals. We did Radiohead, Kid A, uh, everything in its right place. We opened up with um, Neil Young off Zuma, uh, Cortez, The Killer. I'm, um oh, I got a bunch of contributors this week. Because it's no lie. <laughs> In the basement, we're miles apart. No surprise, gonna rise from the basement. And what it is is people who uh, home recordists, people who record music in their homes. Uh, a lot of times, they put them up in cloud sources, you know, to share with friends and stuff like that. So we ask people who uh, record stuff at their home to give us links. And uh, we play some, play most of it, uh, everything that I can, I'm capable of anyway, <laughs> which is not 100%, but, you know, I, I try. So um, what we're going to do is I'm going to bring this over here. I don't want to touch this thing because it's, uh, it's a little crackly. 
Um, oh, by the way, if you come in through the website, we're, we're trying to raise dough. Um, there's a donate button there. Um, uh, please help out. A couple bucks uh, is, is great. Uh, this is Elizabeth Jane Hansen. And can I tell you a little bit about um, uh, Elizabeth? She was born in Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, and it was at an early age that Elizabeth came to grasp the knowledge that her voice would be the passion in her life. She set out to see just how far she could go. It wasn't until after divorce that, 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 that. So Elizabeth Jane Hansen, this song's called Colorblind Blues. And I got to turn that up. We're touching that. Pretty sure this is Colorblind Blues. Oh, I hope it, uh, all right, so the, the thing's chasing its tail. Um, the pause button came on, but then it went to this. I'm going to try to touch it again. It goes to play, and then back to that. Oh, no. So that's always a drag when it's doing this. I, I thought we, we kind of really had, kind of really had the, uh, the internet thing locked in. Let me try another song. Um, e, I'm so sorry, Elizabeth Jane Hansen. Wait. like I'm in a trance. Can you tell how I feel? I wish you'd give me a chance. I feel like such a fool, a different person around you. My emotions go to extremes, from happy to totally Turn me to jelly. You have this effect. 
Yeah, Jesus, just, uh, you know, back off a bit. The temple, going back to the basement, this is Niwamni, N-I-W-A-N-M-I. If you dig this, they're on SoundCloud. This is fresh, three days old. The song's called Brothers Grimm. And uh, let's do it. I'm touching the, the thing, and the, the dots are going in a, um, in a linear fashion. And they're still doing it. I don't know if our connection is Logie today or something. They usually a little. Here we go. Brothers Grimm.
try not to turn on to problems that upset you well don't you know everything's all right yes everything's fine and i think i should sleep well tonight let the world turn without me tonight close your eyes close your eyes and forget all about us
that's, uh, I don't know how to love him. Going back to the basement, this is Judah Boy, 95. Judy G. McCoy, out of Austin, Texas. If you dig this, look for Judah Boy, 95. This is, I know, production, Def 600. I'm not sure, but um, let's let's see what it means. Uh, or maybe it may has nothing to do with the song. I don't know. Uh, but uh, the pause button is there. The dots uh, come back in the linear fashion. Got that turned up. It's still the dots. Hey, hey shouts my guy Def on the beat. You feel me? Death 600. What the fuck you wanna? Death 600. What the fuck you wanna? Death 600. Oh. Oh, 
Yeah, Thomas Dolby urges, you know, oh, you know, uh, Children of Eden, Eden, <coughs> this is our uh, next uh, contributor, Children of Eden, as in east of, from La Mirada, California, uh, I think it's, let's see, I can read something a little about them, uh, let me see if I can make it bigger, ooh, nice. Children of Eden is a band set on doing things the way they were meant to be, jumping through fire, getting burned, and then moving forward, learning to jump through the next fire with better finesse. The L-A-O-C-D-I-Y band takes it, dot, dot, dot. All right, let's do this. This is the kids. That's up. Children of Eden. Dig it. The um, All right, the dots are going. Hold on. We're almost uh, over there. The kids is the name of this one. Children of Eden, if you like them on Saturday. <laughs>
There it was. I'm looking all over for that channel. It was, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a submixer. It's the, uh, the, the fader for, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Again, if you come through the website, <laughs> there's a donate button and a, or a GoFundMe or something like that. We always can use a few bucks to, uh, um, change a pod on this, uh, New mark. I don't know. We just we kind of burn through these things. They get used so much. Um, I'm gonna try some contact cleaner. Maybe that <laughs> might do something. I'm going back to the basement. This is Martian Sunsets. Uh, Jason Miller out of Oakland. I'm. I I think I'm ready for this now. From from what I get. Uh, let's see. Uh, um, experiments, sound tests, song ideas. Martian Sunset is Jason uh, Miller's synth, organ, guitar, vocals, and co-founder of the uh, Luminarians. Luminarians. Lu Luminarians. Um, Martian Sunsets, if you dig this, on SoundCloud. This is uh, Donner Party. Name of the song. Uh, the dots are going. And um, they're... They're still going. That, that's usually uh, means I got that. Oh, here we go. Mm -hmm. 